Conversations with Leaders is a podcast focused on the intersection of business and technology. In this episode, Tanuja Randery, Managing Director AWS Europe, Middle East and Africa, is joined by Dr. Matthias Vogel, CEO of Bursa Stuttgart Group, to discuss digital trends, innovation and risk management in capital markets. Hello, this is Tanuja Randery, Managing Director, Europe, Middle East and Africa for Amazon Web Services. Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Leaders. In this series, I will be speaking with CEOs from across the EMEA region about what it takes to transform business and society, how they are leveraging data and technology to accelerate growth and innovate, and their insights on topics such as sustainability and addressing the digital skills gap. We will also be providing a glimpse into the personalities behind some of our great leaders of industry. And I'm very excited today to be joined by Dr. Matthias Falkel, CEO of Bursa Stuttgart Group, since January 1st, 2022. Welcome, Matthias, to the show. Thank you, Tanisha. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Let me, let me provide a little bit of background on Matthias. Prior to joining the Bursa Stuttgart Group as CEO, he was at McKinsey and was elected partner there in 2013. We actually have that in common, Matthias. Both of us are alumni of the firm, actually, but we, our paths, I think, did not cross when I was there. No, no, they didn't. But still, it's a small world, as you can see. Huh? It is a small world. And you became leader of the Global Capital Markets Infrastructure and Exchange Practice in 2014. Before joining McKinsey, Matthias was actually Chief of Staff for the Chairwoman of the European Parliament's Committee for Budgetary Control from 2002 to 2004. And during his brief time here with BSG, he has already overseen significant change in progress. And today, BSG has more than 700 employees, having grown from about 450 in 2020 and operating across five hubs. Alongside his deep financial and economic expertise, he also holds a doctorate in law, having studied at the University of Freiburg, the University of Oxford, and the University of Heidelberg, where he was, as well, a rower. Matthias, you're also on the board of the German Securities Institute and a member of the Friends Association of the Museum of Modern Art, which is wonderful to see, as well, your passion for the arts. Matthias is married, two children, living in Frankfurt, and look, we're very, very excited to welcome you and looking forward to talking about what you're doing in terms of pioneering digital and customer-focused innovation in the financial services sector. Let me jump right into it. I did notice on one of your recent LinkedIn posts that you quoted the WEF on their mission to work together in a fragmented world. What role do you think digital financial services really has to play in achieving this goal? I think the world is getting more fragmented. I mean, that's almost too trivial to say. On the other hand, there's a lot of problems which are not fragmented, but they affect the entire the entire world. So there is actually no alternative to collaboration. And I do believe in, if you will, recoupling instead of decoupling. What the WEF needs to ensure is that it doesn't get detached from the reality of, of people, that it doesn't come across as an elitist club of people who do not really know what normal people think. I mean, that's just a side remark, but I think it's, it's, in, it's important. Now, on, on your question on financial services and digital financial services, I mean, first of all, financial services are the glue for any internationalization, for any global trade and whatnot, right? If you do not have banks and other financial institutions financing and structuring that, you will not have trade, you will not have former foreign investments and all that. So that's 
as clear. And, and of course, if you really want to be global, you need to be digital. It's natural, right? It comes as natural that you move away from, say, physical boundaries when it comes to providing financial services across the world. That's one prerequisite. The other is, of course, regulation. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to regulation, there is still a lot of fragmentation globally, apparently, but also even within Europe. For instance, the European Capital Market or Capital Market Union has not been accomplished yet, so there's a lot to do. So we, even within Europe, there's still still too much fragmentation. And in fact, you say something quite interesting. I think this concept of coupling and decoupling and also the fragmentation we see, and at the same time, we see this coming together of an ecosystem within capital markets, and I see that broadly across multiple sectors. And digital, it sounds to me like digitalization is that glue that actually is able to connect and bring us together despite the fact that we are scattered or fragmented in some ways. Maybe if I could dive into that, because I know how much time you spend personally on this as well, particularly also with Bursa Stuttgart Digital, which I'd love to learn more about. But what are some of those important or key digital trends that you're seeing, particularly in the world of capital markets? And how are you as Bursa Stuttgart Group engaging with this? That's a great question. And there are indeed many, many trends under the roof of digital. There is apparently AI, quantitative trading, quantitative investment, but also very frugal things such as customer support. Mm -hmm. As a group, we, we operate also a retail brokerage and we interact with customers. And here we are very actively not only thinking of, but also leveraging already AI technologies. We have traders. Part of our group is also an institutional brokerage, traders, if you will, and also them. They use algos and, of course, as you know, the line between algos and AIs is, is blurring. Then there is cloud, but I'm not in the position to tell you anything about it. I mean, that's your absolute field of expertise. I just wanted to mention it because I think it's a macro trend. There is another one, which is tokenization. Mm -hmm. So the digitization of, on one hand, real assets such as real estate or art. And on the other hand, financial assets. And that is, of course, also a, a meta trend because it has the potential to make market infrastructure or broader financial infrastructure much, much more streamlined, much slimmer, taking out uh, intermediaries, etc. So hence, uh, this is also a trend I would mention. I'm curious, you know, there's a lot of conversation around Gen AI in particular these days. And in fact, it's been quite interesting to see the the massive pickup on Gen AI uh, compared to other technologies when you compare the time to 100 million users, Gen AI has only been two months, right? Compared to some of the others like Facebook or even cloud for that matter. Yeah. As you as you reflect on this in your role and, and in a group that is serving capital markets quite extensively, how do you see Gen AI in particular play out? First of all, it is amazing. I mean, the, the, the pickup rate is, is, is just mind-boggling. And why is that so? Because first of all, it's, it's fascinating from what the technology can do. And then it also has a retail appeal. It is mm -hmm. just intriguing to see and to, to, and, and to play with it. And uh, what did we do, to do as a group? Because it, it affects us uh, on multiple layers and, and, and different parts of the group. Actually, we, we integrated that into a, I wouldn't call it a program, maybe it's a small program and seeing, okay, what are the foundations and how can we leverage that? As a group, I already mentioned customer support. 
We also have a data business where this is also, of course, of interest when it comes to structuring the data, slicing and dicing the data, and and, and packaging it in a in a in a customer centric way. Uh, you you've been in the industry for quite some time, and if you if you think of um, what happened to certain asset classes and uh, and and say traders for for yes. for instance, right where. I think at the beginning it was like a trading room and at some point somebody put a robot on a chair and that was the first robot colleague and at some point these robots are nowadays AI taking over. I do think that AI per se has the potential to make financial markets more efficient. AI can help a lot also in terms of risk management and all mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. There is one thing one needs to watch closely sort of full transparency of what the algos are and basically what the input is because the more of course you rely on machines which is which is good the more of course you also need to have transparency what is the pattern they operate on what 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 kind of ai and what are the decision uh, uh, criteria i think it's absolutely feasible to manage that and i i don't want to engage in this negative spin of the of this conversation of all the risks and all that I think there's much more upside potential to it, and we will not be able to stop it anyways, no matter what we do. But it is important, particularly when it comes to financial services, i.e. an infrastructure, so strategic infrastructure, it is important to have transparency because this industry is, is too important to let it run into systemic risks. Absolutely. And I think you're right to raise the, the, the points you do. I mean, the good news is, you know, in terms of AI in particular, it's more than 20 years plus, right? I know we've certainly been working on this for at least 20 years. And a lot of what we've built has been on AI. I think moving this now to this next generation of foundation models, focusing on security, focusing very much on flexibility, focusing on the availability of, you know, multiple models is a good idea, I think, versus tying yourself into one. But I appreciate that for your markets in particular, this is a phenomenal thing that I can actually can add a lot of value. You mentioned, for example, the customer experience point. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, customer support sounds pretty technical or operational, but on the other hand, we're also talking about supporting or giving customer full transparency of what is going on in the market, putting them in the position to trade more like sophisticated traders, give them the opportunity to see what others are doing in the market, analysis tools, et cetera, et cetera. Actually, fundamentally speaking, it's a question of participation. It's also a question of democratization. You want to ensure that also retail customers, for instance, are put in the position to make the best investment decisions possible. We hope you're enjoying this discussion. To join the conversation and engage with other business leaders on these topics, follow us on LinkedIn at AWS Executive Connection. Can you share with us what you see as the advantages in terms of actually the digital capabilities that you're able to build versus more, call it traditional providers who may not have invested at this level in, in sort of digital pure plays? You know, your thoughts on pros and cons would be super useful. That's a great question. Colleagues and I are working every day very hard to, to, to strike the right balance. So we are an institution uh, with a history of more than 160 years. You could call us pretty traditional. On the other hand, what we did, and you're right, our business rests on two strategic pillars. One is our classic business, and this is structured products in our exchanges in Germany, Sweden, and Switzerland. It's our OTC business. I mentioned our traders, et cetera, et cetera. So that is a business which is, which is growing, which we are very proud of. 
And then now comes the, the second pillar, the digital business. What we try to do is, on one hand, give the digital business the room to really thrive and an environment where also digital talent is attractive, where, can they try, where, where they can try out things and all that, while, on the other hand, providing support from group. So Versus Stuttgart Digital is the second pillar. It operates under the roof of Versus Stuttgart Group, but it enjoys some independence, particularly when it comes to all things around UX, when it comes to things around IT development, when it comes to things about communications, marketing, and all that. And I do believe digital ventures need some freedom. They're not just on paper, but in, in reality. Otherwise, it will work on spreadsheet world, but not in reality. On the other hand, as a group, we also try to add to the success of the digital business. And what is it that we can contribute as a group? This is something particularly around risk management, compliance, regulation. So as a group, we are regulated. We're regulated in Sweden, in Switzerland, in Germany. We know how regulation works and we embrace regulation. It is part of our value proposition. So this is not something we push back on. Yeah. And also in the digital world, as in the classic world in financial services, there is regulation and it is good that there is regulation. We see what happens if it is complete Wild West. There were recent events uh, we are all aware of and they were the reflection also of lack of regulation or basically the evasion of regulation or whatever you call it. And I do believe that also digital finance will thrive if we operate in a regulated environment. Not in a regulated environment which kills business, but in a regulated environment which sets boundaries. And as a group, we know how this works. And this is a contribution we do to the digital business. And of course, we also lend credibility to it. So after all the recent events, particularly in the crypto space, mm. there's, a, there's a trust crisis. And I can tell you that our value proposition, particularly for institutional players, banks, brokers, asset managers, has massively gone up. They really appreciate now that Börse Stuttgart Digital is part of a group with this legacy, with this clear commitment, and also with the expertise when it comes to risk management. I like that. What you're saying, I think, if I, if I might step back and reflect on that for a minute, is you've got all the core values of the traditional side of your business um, and all the innovation that you are fostering within the digital side. But actually, there's a lot between those two that, that sort of is a one plus one equals three mm -hmm. equation. Uh, and I think that's important because when we look at where people are driving transformation with digital and where they have success is not to have the digital piece be completely on the one side with no association to the core. And I, I don't know if that resonates with you, but it sounds like it does. It, it totally does. It totally does. It's a, it's a, it's a thin line. You, you, uh, I am convinced you cannot just manage digital operation. It's just one division or so. That will not work. It's a different world. It's faster. It's younger, if you will. It's more tech-savvy, all of the things. But exactly as you say, right, I think it can. it is best of both worlds and one plus one equal three if you get this right. Risk management, these fundamental principles, right, whenever there's a crisis, whenever something goes wrong, it sheds a light on what we all know from traditional financial services. You should separate your own funds from the funds of your customers. I mean, that is mm. as true in the digital world as it is in the classic world. You should think about liquidity management, about funding, all of these things. These fundamental questions, they come in different shapes and forms, but the fundamental questions stay the same. 
And this is something digital businesses, I think, can can really learn. So that's one thing. And also from an organizational standpoint, having a sizable and growing digital business, as, as, as we are fortunate enough to have, it also does something very good to the rest of the organization. It's inspirational and something good. I, I love that you brought talent up because that was going to be some the, a place I went next because it sounds like you have very successfully actually been able to attract very high caliber talent over the last few years. How did you manage to attract that talent? What are you doing internally to reskill your own talent and any advice for our listeners on how they go get their share of this phenomenal talent as well? <laughs> I mean, I mean, you're right. I think we are, we are blessed that we had very good talent already. Those people who built the place, let's start with them as a group. We look back on a history of innovation. And so it's not something which only jumped on the stage some four years back, right? It is a bit in the DNA of this organization. Now, of course, this entire tokenization, crypto digital was a catalyst. And indeed, I think we did a good job. And and, and when I say we, I, I am particularly talking also about the, the, the colleagues who set it up. And uh, what they created was a very entrepreneurial space and it started for instance when it comes to the digital uh, business it started in Slovenia mm-hmm. where a, a colleague of mine founded something a company and that was uh, it then became part of versus Stuttgart group they are very pragmatic and entrepreneurial but think still they have also grown by being part of the group and that makes it much easier than just attracting them bit by bit digital talent on one hand and also of course it is much more sustainable than just leveraging third parties. And what is my learning? I mean, you need to, uh, of course, have a have a vision. I mean, that's 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 very clear. And on the other hand, my experience also tells me great talent. They want to work together with great talent. They want to be on the winning team. So you'd better make sure that you do not compromise on talent. If you compromise on talent, you're sending the wrong signal, and you will lose the ones you want to actually promote. Let me maybe move us to culture, leveraging the point about talent. I mean, one of the things I hear is the biggest blocker to transformation is, in fact, indeed, A, the digital skills gap that you already mentioned that needs to be addressed, but also this culture of innovation, culture of taking risks, culture of being able to like let people experiment. Um, how do you at the Bursa Stuttgart Group create this, especially in the context of the 160-year legacy that you discussed? You're right. Culture innovation and culture of, say, entrepreneurship and also being able to take risk. On the culture of innovation side, it's in the DNA of the group. This group has a has a history of reinventing itself. The brokerage, the institutional brokerage, our traders I mentioned, that is something which is unusual. You will not find an exchange group that has that. In our case, it contributes to our um, business model. They're providing high quality, liquidity, etc. So it makes a lot of sense also for our customers, but still this is something which is not standard. Our venturing into the digital space, same. I mean, we built the, the, the largest digital business of all European exchange groups, and we are only number six. In relative terms, this is, this is even more sizable than it, is in, uh, than it is in absolute terms. So the culture of innovation has always been there. It's a tricky one in a regulated environment, as you know. So you want, of course, want people to take calculated risks, but you also want to ensure that you comply. And that is something which is, I think this is a constant struggle 
between these two things. And Matthias, that's a fine balance, as you said, right? Especially in in the environment that you're in, right? And in a way, even us, you know, if you if you think about what we do, you know, we have to make sure that our solutions and services are of the highest level of security, resilience, technological rigor for our customers. But at the same time, we know that if we don't experiment, like you said, you die, right? Pretty much. How do you manage that balance? There are certain areas where there's just zero defect when it comes to the stability of our systems. This is not something we experiment with. It just needs to work. This is this is our value proposition. The same is true when it comes to digital assets, our custody. We are the safe haven. Nothing must go wrong here. Correct. On the other hand, now when it comes to trying out new things, when it comes to venturing into new business areas, this is something where we all know if you do not experiment, you'll never have success. In terms of the role of data and how you see data help you actually get to those customers, understanding what next to offer those customers, how you get to understanding d- data in terms of even the fraud side that you mentioned, the risk. how do you get everyone in your organization understanding that data is an organizational asset? It is an organizational asset, definitely, in capital markets and particularly in capital markets infrastructure, so where we play. Um, I'm, I hope everybody got it. I'm not sure. With 700 people, um, <laughs> you never know. Whenever we offer something to our customers, we want to understand how it works. What is the pickup rate? Mm-hmm. What works well? What doesn't work well? Where can we also support them when it comes to their investment decisions? And this is sometimes it is a pretty granular uh, analysis because it might be trifles, which make all the difference. As versus Stuttgart Group, which is sort of in financial institution, tech institution, a bit of a hybrid, and building infrastructure and operating infrastructure. Oftentimes, these institutions tend to be very engineering-focused, very inward-focused. I'm building something. Oftentimes, what these organizations build make a lot of sense, but they it doesn't really meet customers' demand. So this is really crucial. It's really crucial to come from the customer. And if you combine this customer perspective with engineering and IT capabilities, this is where a lot of beautiful things can happen. Now, on the on the fraud side of things, the same thing here, right? I mean, when it comes to anti-financial crime and de- detecting fraudulent patterns, I mean, this is something where, of course, you need data. We are leading in, in, in structured products across Europe. We have 1.8 million products listed on Versa Stuttgart Group's platforms, 1.8 million. Wow. And you can imagine what that means in terms of also reference data and data points. What's your leadership style and philosophy. I mean, what what do you think makes you an effective leader? And what maybe what guidance would you give people listening to this podcast on how to drive and enable that transformation you're talking about? That's a great question. I, I do hope I'm an effective leader. At least I'm I'm giving my very best. What I can say that I, I truly enjoy the role. I really like it a lot. How do I think about leadership and my leadership style? I try and empower people, give them trust and freedom, then also stand for their results, while at the same time, of course, being there with when things go in the wrong direction. I'm not in the micromanagement camp. I'm in the camp of trusting people, giving them a task, and then also empowering them to be able to deliver on this task. I'm also optimistic. That's more my, that's my nature. <laughs> what is the best piece of advice you ever received in your career? That's a good one. Um, it was 
at some point you need to jump. If you see yourself fit for a challenge, for a new role, et cetera, et cetera, right? Jump on it, jump on it. Don't be afraid because if you do that and if you are at ease with yourself and if you're in your comfort zone, and I don't mean in your comfort zone by saying, but just not being challenged to the contrary. But if you're in a comfort zone, being also being challenged and you think, okay, I'm, I'm now here on the right path. This is the right role for me. You should definitely jump on this. Do not waste your time by making too many compromises. I love it. What a great place to end. Thank you so much, Matthias. I really appreciate your openness. I think people are going to find it inspiring, your leadership style and the success that you're driving. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you had fun doing it as well. I had great fun. Very energizing, very inspirational, and always a pleasure to chat, Tanusha. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Conversations with Leaders, brought to you by AWS Executive Insights and Tanuja Randery. For more on these topics, follow Tanuja on LinkedIn and visit aws.amazon.com slash executive insights. While there, be sure to learn more about AWS exec leaders and invite only global community for business and technology leaders. Thank you.